The quarter-final lineup is almost complete as two more teams put their place in the last eight. At Old Trafford, a lacklustre United were shot by Sevilla. Corner whipped in from the left-hand side, flicked on and brilliantly saved by De Gea. They're claiming it's crossed the line, Sevilla. They're claiming it's 2-0 and the goal has been awarded. It finished 2-1 to the Spaniards on the night and on aggregate. Meanwhile, at the Stadio Olimpico, Roma squeezed past Shakhtar on away goals, courtesy of this solitary strike. No offside against Dzeko. Oh, what a breakaway goal. A ball through the middle. Dzeko onside just when Shakhtar are looking for the flag. Sevilla and Roma into the last state. All the best analysis and reaction from the ties to come as we hear from Steven Nzonzi and Jose Mourinho. Plus, we'll hear from Antonio Conte ahead of Wednesday's round of 16 second legs with Chelsea looking to cause an upset in Barcelona and Bayern out to finish the job against Besiktas. So stay with us right here on the official UEFA Champions League podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm Rob Daly and I'm joined by European football expert Andy Brassel. Andy, it's Roma and Sevilla through, but Sevilla will take all the headlines in the newspapers tomorrow morning. Yes, they have, and quite rightly so. I mean, this is an achievement pretty much without precedent. Um, going to, to, to Manchester United as second favourites. Um, Manchester United, a club who have so much history in the UEFA Champions League. Uh, Sevilla have, have never got beyond the last 16 in the, the, the current format. Um, their Twitter account has just put out, in fact, um, we're there 60 years later because they're at last in the quarterfinals of the European Champion Clubs Cup in 1958, <laughs> where they were beaten in the end, I think 10-2 on aggregate by Real Madrid, of course. A great team then, one of the all-great-time teams of European football who, who went on to win 10-2 uh, on aggregate before going on to win the title. Um, so th th this is extraordinary. And especially for Sevilla, after failing to take the chances to win the first leg, and also the fact that, as we've said before, it's really a transitional season for them you know they've, they've not been uh, at their very best uh, they're, they're a team that have achieved hugely in the 21st century in the um, the UEFA Cup and then the UEFA Europa League winning it five times but but this is is on another level and at one of the biggest UEFA Champions League stages uh, they could well, of course, play Real Madrid in the quarterfinals, the draw to come later in the week. A reminder of the classified results uh, from Tuesday's game. So Manchester United 1, Sevilla 2. Sevilla progress 2-1 on aggregate. Roma 1, Shakhtar 0, 2-2 on aggregate. Roma through uh, via the away goals rule. So we'll begin with that match at Old Trafford, where Manchester United hosted Spanish side Sevilla after a goalless first leg. Steve Wyeth, watch this one for us. towards Sarabia, who's got Benyeda running ahead of him. Here is Vissan Benyeda, twisting and turning and scoring beyond David De Gea. And that is the away goal for Sevilla. And Manchester United have got a big problem now. Immediate impact from the substitute. Sevilla has scored at Old Trafford and they lead 1-0. Corner whipped in from the left-hand side, flicked on and brilliantly saved by De Gea. They're claiming it's crossed the line, Sevilla. They're claiming it's 2-0 and the goal has been awarded. And Sevilla surely are heading into the quarterfinals. 
Champions League for the first time in their history. They lead 2-0 at Old Trafford and the substitute Vissam Ben Yedder is claiming a second. Rashford getting on with the corner kick quickly, flicked on and into the back of the head net this time from Lukaku. There is hope for Manchester United. Corner kick swung in by Rashford and Lukaku throwing himself at it. Manchester United won Sevilla 2. It finished 2-1 on the night and 2-1 on aggregate. Steve Wyeth there with the commentary. We'll speak to him in a moment. Uh, but first, let's hear from one of Sevilla's key players at Old Trafford, Stephen Nzonzi. It's hard to play here, we know. They have a big team. They have a very strong team. It was not easy. Both teams uh, could have won. But at the end, we won. So it's the first time in the history of the club. So we're very happy. We know they have very, very good players, a very strong team. Uh, but I was surprised that we had the ball uh, that much. They had the ball too, I mean, but I thought they, they were going to to press a little bit more. But but I don't know, I don't know. I don't really want to talk about the game. It's a great win, that's what I'm going to say. Stephen Antonsi there, the severe midfielder after their 2-1 victory at Manchester United. So Steve joins uh, Andy and myself now. Steve, how did Sevilla... I mean, Stephen Antonsi there admitting we were surprised to have so much of the ball for it not to be more testing. How did they go about getting a famous win tonight? Stephen Nzonzi was once part of a Blackburn team that lost 7-1 at Manchester United, so he knows all about what a Manchester United of old could have done under different circumstances tonight. They deserve great credit, Sevilla, for their tactics. They didn't believe the hype that the nil-nil draw at the Ramon Sanchez Pithuan three weeks ago favoured Manchester United. Uh, but they were also able to exploit the fact that Manchester United set up very, very negatively this evening. They did not threaten Sevilla often enough in a game where both teams knew that they had to score. And uh, Vincenzo Montella clearly knew he had a, an ace in the pack, uh, a change that he was able to make, what, 18 minutes from the end. Vissam Ben Yedder's introduction, he scored twice within six minutes of coming on. And, and that was what won the tie for Sevilla. Those, those, six, those six minutes were what decided it. But, but I, I don't get the impression it flattered Sevilla at no, it all. Didn't. I, th I think um, they, they played it perfectly. And the two guys who were key to it were Nzonzi and Eva Benega. And of course, Eva Benega booked early on yeah, in yeah. this game. He's going to miss the first leg of the quarterfinal, which is a bit of a blow for them. But they don't need to think about that tonight. You know, they just need to celebrate, congratulate themselves on a, a job well done. And Vincenzo Montella has had a huge task ahead of him going into to this job, um, taking on a side that had a lot of quality players but very little discernible style of play in the first half of the season so to construct some sort of identity and the advantage he does have is he's he's tactically adaptable he's someone who's a a pragmatist and of course i think he fits even though he doesn't know la liga all that well he fits the style very well people used to talk about um his his Sampdoria is the, the the 21st La Liga side, so re, 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 really he's he's someone who I think has, has settled very well and has, has clearly got the players knowing what their, their their roles are. Of course, it's very difficult for them to balance uh, league and uh, UEFA Champions League. I mean, he's he's got them to the final of the the, the Copa del Rey, the Spanish Cup as well. I mean, he's achieved so much in such a, a short time when he's had something to clear up and pull together as well. And, you know, you would never guess that he'd only been in charge for, what, two and a half months going into night because they were so well organised. 
and it will make up for the fact that they're, sith, they're fifth in La Liga and unlikely to qualify for the UEFA Champions League next season, reaching the quarterfinals for the first time uh, in 60 years in terms of the European Cup and UEFA Champions League era. First time in the modern era they've been past the round of, of 16. First time they've won a European tie in any competition in England. Just the second time in 13 they've won away from home. And do you know what? I mean, a lot of, a, the, there will be an inquest at, at Manchester United as to how this has happened, particularly considering how good their home form has been under Jose Mourinho. And it's just the second time in 50 matches at Old Trafford in all competitions that United have been beaten. The only other team to win during that time, Manchester City, the runaway leaders of the Premier League, the, the team playing arguably the best football in Europe at the moment. So let's, let's start to break down exactly where things didn't work out for Manchester United tonight. So from a selection point of view, Fellaini in for McTominay. We can't really argue with that, Andy, because Fellaini was one of their most effective players until he went off for Pogba. Yeah, he's, he certainly was. And I'm not sure we can criticise Jose Mourinho too much for bringing on Paul Pogba and trying to be aggressive and trying to win the game. I think that's fair enough. Um, but, but there was the lack of that link, I think, between midfield and attack. I mean, we talked at the, at the top about how um, Romelu Lukaku has been criticised for some of his performances in, in, in some of the biggest games. I found it quite hard to find fault with him this evening. Mm -hmm. Absolutely I, I, right. I, I thought he did yeah. really well. Um, he held the ball up. He occupied the central defenders and he brought other, other players into play. But he brought other players into play more than he should have had to, I feel. You know, I think the best layoffs that United made were Lukaku's. The best cross-field passes that United made to open up the game were Lukaku's. And I think on, on the other hand, they got so little out of Alexis Sanchez and um, in, in particular, and uh, also Jesse Lingard. Although Lingard had a little purple patch in the second half, didn't he, where he, where he had that shot and uh, uh, Sergio Rico made that very good save from him. But I think th that will disappoint Mourinho, that he couldn't find a way to get both Alexis and Lingard more involved yeah. because Lingard theoretically should have been the player that was able to drift late into the penalty box because neither Benega or um, Nzonzi are really that aggressive sort of midfield player even though they were playing quite deep they're the sort who control the game by passing the ball and especially when Benega who can make a tackle was compromised by getting that booking early on what well, it should have been right for for Lingard to to make the most of the space now the the English press ahead of this game was saying it was time for Alexis Sanchez to start delivering for United largely frustrated tonight Steve as was you know many aside from Lukaku I would echo Ante's sentiments here that aside from Lukaku none of them really managed to affect the game properly well last week we saw an English side a Premier League team go out of the UEFA Champions League in Tottenham by taking the game to Juventus, a more experienced team in the competition. They, they lived by the sword, they died by the sword effectively. What we saw tonight was the complete reversal of that. An English team with the handbrake on, with a, an outlook of negativity. Because actually, if you look at the team sheet, we've not got a problem with the 11 players on the pitch from a Manchester United point of view. What we can't quite fathom out is having got the nil-nil draw in Spain that they wanted, they then set up so defensively with good players on the pitch. Why were United not playing 10, 15, 20 metres further forward and allowing the fact that they had Lukaku, Lingard, Sanchez and Rashford on the pitch from the start to cause severe more problems? Those players were coming from too deep. 
to, to make their impact. Maybe maybe this is the problem. I, I think it goes all the way back to not trying to score an away goal, particularly Absolutely, hard yeah. in that in the it. first game well, because well, yeah. because th those those attacking players work great. If if th th like, it sounds ridiculous, but the momentum of the first five or ten minutes was really good I thought from Manchester United if they could have kept that up and scored in the first 20 minutes I think we'd be talking about something completely differently and maybe a, a, a routine win but the way the team was set up what was going to happen if they didn't score in the first 20 minutes in fact the fact that they hadn't scored that away goal and they're a little bit vulnerable especially as Sevilla managed to control the ball a bit better pass the ball a bit better have more possession as Stephen and Zonzi was saying as when we heard from him before it was clear that the tension started to weigh on United a little bit too heavily then uh, let's hear from their manager uh, Jose Mourinho I don't want to make a drama of it we don't have time for that we have no time to be to be sad for more than 24 hours, and that's that's football. That's not the end of the world. Uh, I sit in this chair uh, twice in the Champions League, and I knock out Man United at home at Old Trafford. I sit in this chair with Porto, Man United out. I sit in this chair with Real Madrid, Man United out. So I don't think is is something new for the for the club. Jose Mourinho there with his post-match analysis. Uh, he is right. He has done it with Porto and Real Madrid at this stadium. Porto at this stage 14 years ago now. Um, but you were talking about this pre-match, Steve, about the mentality United went into that Liverpool game, which I think was defining in their Premier League season. And it feels that the, the, the way they went into that Sevilla first leg really has defined how this tie, how this competition is going to work out for them as well. And Jose Mourinho has talked about you know, it being a club thing rather than a him thing but he does have a bit of a problem with Spanish teams. He's only before, before tonight, he'd only ever lost seven of uh, 48, I think it was, seven of 48 home games in the UEFA Champions League. But five of those were against Spanish teams and he's, he's, a Spanish mm. team has got the better of him again this evening. So it's, it is, it's unusual. I, I wonder what it is about the, the tactical quirk of teams from La Liga that maybe just ever so slightly put Jose Mourinho onto, onto a concerned footing. Why was he so much more worried about conceding the away goal tonight than scoring the goal early on to, to put them in front when that was the entire way he set up in the first leg to, to, to bring a nil-nil draw back to Old Trafford? Let's have a, a final one then on Wissam Ben Yedda. So uh, Luis Muriel selected ahead of him. Yep. Despite his incredible goal rate, Wissam Ben Yedda brought on. And as Graham Hunter, I've been reading here, has been saying, at no point did Ben Yedda sulk or complain about the fact he's a sub. He just came on and did his job and won the game. Um, well, that's right. And, and of course, he was told a month or so ago, you're not going to be my first choice from now on because I've got to try and back Luis Muriel by Vincenzo Montella, the coach. And to get on with it, under those circumstances. But as you were saying earlier, Rob, the perfect player to be able to bring on with 25 minutes to go you against slightly tired on, actually, defenders. You saw United were tiring and getting stretched. And when you came and you saw that's the move. And they, they, they lacked that penalty box player. Luis Muriel is, has got a lot of qualities. He's not that pure penalty box player that Wissam Ben Yedda is. Yeah. And, and Ben Yedda, no, play, no Frenchman, now has scored more goals than him in a UEFA Champions League season. David Tresquet, wow. the only other Frenchman to score eight in the UEFA Champions League season, and that was back in 2001 too. Okay, let's uh, move things along. We could talk about Sevilla 
and their win at United all night. But there was another match in the UEFA Champions League this evening where Roma were looking to overcome a 2-1 first leg deficit against Shakhtar Donetsk. Jonathan Beck describes the action. No offside against Dzeko. Oh, what a breakaway goal. A ball through the middle. Dzeko onside just when Shakhtar are looking for the flag. And Edin Dzeko slides it through the legs of Piotr. And Roma have the goal that might just send them through. Roma won, Shakhtar Donetsk nil. Man, who's already set up one goal, has now pinged one to Nangalan, right-hand side of the area, who is onside. He sets up Dzeko again. That didn't miss by much. Edin Dzeko arriving at the perfect moment, sweeps it wide. Now, is there a second goal for Edin Dzeko? He's been played in behind Odets, and the defender has held him back. Now, big decision for the referee, Alberto Mayenko. What colours the card? It's red. It goes from bad to worse for Shakhtar Donetsk. A goal down on the night, full time at the Stadio Olimpico, and it erupts. Roma are into the quarterfinals of the UEFA Champions League for just the fourth time in their history. Edin Dzeko the hero, Shakhtar's plan didn't work, and it's Roma who go through. 1-0 on the night, 2-2 on aggregate. So Roma through all away goals. Commentator Jonathan Beck uh, joins us now. Jonathan, do Roma deserve their place in the last eight, do you think? Well, they do on the night. Certainly Shakhtar had a plan and it worked up to half-time. But once Dzeko scored, they weren't able to change to the, the effective plan B that they would have worked on in training, you would think, and actually make it work in the match situation. They pushed and they certainly gave enough in terms of energy and momentum in those final stages, but by that point, they were already down to 10 men when Odets got sent off for hauling back Dzeko. So Roma's plan worked. I'm not sure if they planned to win 1-0, if they planned for more goals the way they began the game, certainly suggests they began looking for more goals, but the way the game panned out, I think they probably could have had more. Dzeko narrowly missed with a sweeping shot from the edge of the box, and then he might have scored had he not been hauled down, went through one-on-one. -on -one. So I would say on the night, Roma did enough tactically, and uh, yeah, cleverly, they're through. Jonathan, are they a real dark horse for this competition? I mean, I sense there was a little bit of tension tonight in the, the, the sense that, well, both teams knew that this was a golden opportunity for them to get through to the quarterfinals. With no disrespect to either of them, they both knew that, that they were the draw that each other wanted, weren't they? Yeah, I so, think so. So now with Roma, with the fact that they've got this deep squad that we're seeing more and more as the season goes on and that they can be fresh for UEFA Champions League matches, semi-finals, what do you reckon? <sighs> Big question, isn't it? Because the, the team's through. Juventus, Liverpool, Man City, Real Madrid, Roma and Sevilla after tonight. So we've got two more to come, obviously, Barcelona or Chelsea and Bayern or Besiktas. Depends who goes through, doesn't it? Because those other names are, are bigger on paper than Roma or Sevilla. But then, given the way both these sides have approached these two-legged ties, it's, it's, not a, it's not a game to be taken for granted, is it? Semi-final might be a stretch. I mean, if Roma draw Real Madrid and if Sevilla draw Manchester City or, or maybe even Juventus, then maybe you'd have to fancy the bigger sides than that. But you just don't know. I think tonight's shown as you just don't know. Did the, did the home crowd play any factor, uh, Jonathan? Because when I think back to the group stage and the 3-0 win over Chelsea, it really did feel like the home crowd helped Roma get over the line. And as, as you mentioned, I think pre-match, 
It was something that Eusebio Di Francesco pointed to ahead of kickoff. Yeah, he did, and Alessandro Florenzi as well sort of echoed those sentiments, really. To, to stay onside throughout the 90 minutes, we're going to need you, every single one of you, to, to get behind us, whether they're mistakes or we give the ball away, whatever. And, yeah, they did. In fairness, they did. They, they were singing all night. It wasn't entirely full, but it's a massive stadium, and there was still enough to make a very, very big noise. Um, so, yeah, I would say that they played their part. They certainly helped them over the line when it came to Shakhtar throwing everything forward in the closing stages when effectively they had nothing to lose uh, and the likes of uh, Tyson and Ismaili were, were causing problems down the left-hand side right till the final minute of stoppage time and the crowd, yeah, probably got them over the line. Jonathan, thank you. We'll come back to you uh, for your man of the match before the end of the show. Andy, quick one on Shakhtar now. And Paolo Fonseca, a coach that um, you follow very closely, of course, in recent years, the Portuguese man in the dugout. How, what, how do you think Shakhtar, despite elimination tonight, how do you think they'll reflect on the whole UEFA Champions League campaign? I think it's been a fantastic campaign for them. and um, Very tough group, of course, so they, they were put in. Yeah, it really was. And to, to get out of that, they set the tone with their home form. And their home form's been impeccable throughout. I mean, they've won four out of four, for, for, for goodness sakes. But it, it's, uh, it's, it's been a, a really great effort, as it has been all the way from Paolo Fonseca. When you think that his Shakhtar career really started out by going out in the third qualifying round of the UEFA Champions League at Young Boys, and he was always on the back foot, He's done so well to, to get the team this far. It's an extraordinary achievement. Yeah, his players are very happy with him. He'll be disappointed tonight. Shakhtar out, Roma uh, through to the next round. Uh, the quarterfinal lineup uh, will be completed tomorrow. We'll look ahead now to Wednesday's round of 16 second legs. Barcelona host Chelsea. Besiktas face Bayern. Everyone can enjoy football, no matter who you are, where you're from, or how you play. Equal Game is a new UEFA Respect social responsibility campaign that positively promotes inclusion, diversity and accessibility in football throughout Europe. You're listening to Match Day Live with Andy Brassel and me, Rob Daly. We have two more round of 16 second legs on Wednesday night in the UEFA Champions League. Andy, a quick one on Besiktas Bayern. Bayern 5-0 up from the first leg, heading to Istanbul. Bayern also 20 points clear at the top of the Bundesliga. They played their full-strength side domestically at the weekend. So how's Jupp Heynckes going to go about this game? He's taken basically all of his first-choice squad uh, to Turkey. I don't think he'll rotate too heavily. A few choices are, are made for him with injuries. Of course, uh, Corentin Tolisso is, is, is going to be out for, for two or three weeks, it, it looks like, after that, that heavy blow to his leg at the weekend. Um, I think they're going to they're gonna really go for this. It's the UEFA Champions League. And as you say, they're, they're in a comfortable position in the league. Um, I, I would imagine that Robin and Ribéry will start to give them some sort of counter-attacking option. I think that's pretty clear, especially with uh, Kingsley Comal um, being compromised at, at the moment. As for Bajiktas, well, they're, they're going to want to go out in, in style because, as you were saying with Shakhtar, I mean, it's like with Tottenham as well. You know, these teams are going out at the last 16 of the UEFA Champions League. It shows how incredibly strong it is because these are all teams who've contributed so much to it. Uh, well, without a doubt, the tie of Wednesday night is Barcelona against Chelsea. Uh, let's hear from the visiting side's manager, Antonio Conte. He wants his players to rise to the occasion. And your camp is a fantastic stadium, big pitch. Yeah, I think that uh, every single player and to play this type of game against Barcelona and Newcamp, you must be excited. 
to play this uh, this type of game. A lot of my players never played uh, in this stadium and new camp. This is the first time, and uh, we want to try to do our uh, our best. Richard Kaufman will be our commentator for this one, and he joins us on the line. Richard Chelsea coming to this after a much-needed win because Antonio Conte's side have been struggling in the Premier League. Four defeats in six Premier League matches, even including the win at the weekend over Crystal Palace. You know this is a defining match, really, for Antonio Conte's time at Chelsea in the way for Champions League. It might be the match that defines whether... He's uh, going to still be in a job at Stamford Bridge or not, but it's not exactly mission impossible for them, I don't think, although we know how hard it is to beat Barcelona this season. Not too many people have uh, overcome yeah, the Balclana, have they? Never mind at their home stadium anywhere this season, so it's going to be a really tough task for them. Richard, Chelsea do have something to be optimistic about. Of course, the way they played in, in the first leg, even if they didn't close out the win exactly. I mean, how much... You talked about this defining Conte's time at Chelsea. How much does this define him and where he is in terms of the UEFA Champions League? Because it's a competition where he's never got close, further than the quarterfinals before. You could say that, yeah. I mean, uh, his short-term goal is not really about... I suppose defining how he is as a coach, defining his time at Chelsea. He's got to work out a way tomorrow night of beating Barcelona. Nil-nil won't do them. They'll be out. 1-1, of course, would take us to extra time. What does he do? Tactically, what does he do? You mentioned the match against Barcelona in the first leg. You know, went with Aidan Azar up front in a kind of strikerless system. And it did work well. He called it in the press conference almost the perfect match, barring a mistake at the end. They might have come away with a victory, but he tried the same tactics in the English Premier League against Manchester City soon afterwards. And it's quite clear it fell flat on its face, those tactics. Eden Hazard's come out publicly kind of criticising those tactics. And it was interesting to hear Conte talk after the match about Crystal Palace saying that he would consult the players about the tactics on tomorrow night's match. He said it's important to share the responsibility with the players. Now, after what Eden Hazard would say, I would assume he'll be saying, stick Morata or Giroud up front, let me play where I feel more comfortable, which is behind a striker, either on the left-hand side or in you know, the number 10 position. So it'd be interesting to see what system he does go with, whether it is with a, a proper striker or a false number nine. And Richard, how do you see uh, Barcelona's team selection going here? Because Andres Iniesta is it makes the squad we hear from Ernesto Valverde uh, this afternoon. How do you see Barcelona lining up for this one? Well, the big talking point is whether their captain will play uh, hamstring injury against Atletico Madrid. It looked like there'd be no chance he would play, but he started training on, um, on Monday. And Valverde said it would depend how he reacted to that training. He's in the squad, which suggests that there's a place for him somewhere. Uh, if he doesn't play, well, you would probably expect Andre Gomez to be the man to, to fill in. But otherwise, it's, I think, going to be exactly the same team that lined up at Stamford Bridge uh, a few weeks back. And, of course, if Iniesta's fit, it will be, I would think, exactly the same starting eleven. Richard, thank you very much for joining us so late in the evening. Richard Kaufman will be our commentator for Barcelona against Chelsea. Lionel Messi, of course, didn't play at the weekend after the birth of his third son. Uh, he'll return uh, for the game of the camp now. Uh, let's uh, reflect now on tonight's action once again. Uh, Roma won Shakhtar Nil. Roma through to the next round. Jonathan Beck, who's your man of the match from the proceedings in Italy? 
I think it has to be Edin Dzeko. He scored the crucial goal. He was a handful all night for the Shakhtar defence. He described it as a, a great night for him, Roma, and the whole club. They were patient. They knew one goal could see us reach the quarterfinals. They scored it and then did everything together. He says he's proud of the team. Paolo Fonseca, the Shakhtar manager, said only great teams can do what we did. I'm disappointed, of course, but I'm happy with the personality we showed. It was a fantastic campaign, winning all four home games, defeating great teams, and our supporters have to be proud of us. No point saying if the result was fair or unfair. We could have killed the tie in the first leg. We played fantastically here. Only one mistake decided it. I'm proud of my team. So is Francesco Totti, who said it's a fantastic result, a fantastic Roma among the best eight sides in Europe. We push on to the next round. Jonathan, thank you very much for your company this evening. Uh, Andy, Steve, quick one. Man of the match from Manchester United, Sevilla. You've got to pick a different player. Who wants to go for the obvious then? <laughs> After you. I'll take the obvious choice. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to go that way. He didn't salt. He would have been disappointed to be left out of the starting lineup. Vissan Banyeda off the bench. Six minutes later, he'd scored twice and sent Sevilla through to the quarterfinals for the first time. Stephen and Zonzi, you gave Banyeda the platform to do that. You protected the defence, you controlled the game. Never gave the ball away, immaculate. Great work, gents. That's all we have time for on your way for Champions League match day live on another dramatic night which delivered two more quarter finalists. In Manchester, Sevilla shocked United at Old Trafford, scoring twice in the second half to secure a 2-1 win on the night and on aggregate substitute Wissam Ben Yedda, their two-goal hero. Then in Italy, a crucial Edin Dzeko strikes or Roma secure a narrow 1-0 win over Shakhtar. They progress on the away goals rule. Join us on Wednesday from 1930 CET. Chelsea travel to Barcelona with a tie very much in balance. Until then, from Andy Brassel, Steve Wyeth, Jonathan Beck and myself, Rob Daly, it's goodbye. Benyeda running ahead of him, here is Vissan Benyeda, twisting and turning and scoring beyond David De Gea and that is the away goal for Sevilla. No offside against Dzeko, oh what a breakaway goal, a ball through the middle, Dzeko onside just when Shakhtar are looking for the flag. Corner whipped in from the left hand side, flicks on and brilliantly saved by De Gea, they're claiming it's crossed the line Sevilla, they're claiming it's 2-0 and the goal has been surely are heading into the quarterfinals of the UEFA Champions League for the first time in their history. Rashford getting on with the corner kick quickly, flicked on and into the back of the head net this time from Lukaku. There is hope for Manchester United. Corner kick swung in by Rashford and Lukaku throwing himself at it. Manchester United won Sevilla 2. You've been listening to UEFA Champions League Matchday Live.